Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Thanks for joining us. My name is Matt, and on the cast with me today are my esteemed co-hosts, Dan. 20, yay! And Tiff. Hey. Yeah, we did, we made 20 episodes. What are we doing with our lives? (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, thank you for joining us again. Our little uh, social media pitch, remember that you can chat with us on Facebook and Twitter, searching the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can send us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Chat with us on BGG Guild number 2077. Like us on Instagram. Tweet at us. We just want to be friends. We just want to talk about board games, you know? So for today's show, we have a bunch of little segments lined up. We are going to try something new and chat about failed and flipped games. We have a filler feature on tap. We've got a hipster highlight. We will round out the show by putting each other through the ringer with Keep, Trade, and Burn. But before we do any of that, let's kick off the show the way we always do, by chatting about what we've been playing recently. Tiff, anything fun hitting your table? Oh, fun? Oh, man. Tiff, anything made of cardboard hitting your table? Well, I got a chance this week to play Dragon's Gold. It wasn't my game, but one of my group members brought it, and it's a Bruno Fiduti game. This is a hand management set collection negotiation game uh, where you control a team of people that are trying to kill a dragon. So you have a couple knights, you have a thief, and you have a magician, wizard guy, and they have different values, and you play them to dragons that are in the center of the table and you kind of have to cooperate with the other people at the table because each dragon has a certain value and you all are contributing your guys to meet that value. It has a bag of treasures that some of the treasures go on to the dragons at the beginning so you kind of know what you're going to get out of of defeating that dragon. Some of them go on after you've committed all of the guys to defeat it. And then once you've done that, you kind of ha- you have a timer and you have to negotiate who gets what. And then to round out the game, all of the different treasures are different are worth different things and the certain sets of them are worth different points. So Yeah, you're just trying to get the most valuable treasure through negotiation with your fellow dragon hunters. Oh, negotiation, that hits your sweet spot. No, no it doesn't. (laughs) How'd it go? I'm like, sure, that's that's my negotiation style. That's that's how it works. People just make you offers and you're like, all right, whatever. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really good at playing hardball. And the one time I'm like, I want the diamond. No means no, Tiff. Just say it. Anyway, I'll be like, I want the diamond. It's the most valuable gem in the bag. That's what I want. And the other guy I'm negotiating with is like, you can't have it. And I'm like, but that's the only thing I want. I just want that one thing. And if I can get that one thing, I'm done. You can have the rest of the things. And he's like, no. And that's that's how it went. And he says, I'm going to take all the things. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is if you can't negotiate by the time the timer's up, you don't get any of the things. No one does. So it behooves you to come up with some kind of negotiation just to get something. So the one time I played hardball, it didn't go very well. And I guess that was kind of like demoralizing. At that point in the game, I was like, well, I'm not going to win because I didn't get that one thing. So done. This sounds like it could be fun. I think that for people who like that negotiation thing, it it would be fun. I know, I don't think the people that I was playing with hated it. I think for a while we were just too nice to each other. And I don't know. I just, the set collection of it kind of bothers me because there's a certain distribution of gems in the bag and the diamond is the rarest, but you you need it to complete a set. So you're only going to complete as many sets as you have diamonds, except for no one really wants to give away diamonds. And I guess that's the game, right? Is trying to talk people into it. But yeah. I just, I don't know how to do that. Like it hinges too much on getting those diamonds. Or to me, that's what it seemed like. And I'm just not good at negotiation. Not a recommendation from the socially inept. No, definitely not. No, I knew going into it that it was likely not to be my kind of game. So I'm not saying it's a bad game. I know that it's just not my kind of game. I I appreciate the, the mechanism, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I like the idea of it being timed because that takes it from just being like this weird, awkward, like, 
negotiate until it fizzles kind of thing or someone gets bored and at least it puts a constraint on it. It's like, well, no one's getting anything. So it makes you a little bit more inclined to negotiate. But I want I want to like something that has kind of that divvy aspect to it. Yeah. I just ink and gold. Know. Yeah. You don't have to negotiate for that, though. I like Ink and Gold, but I don't like this. I'd like to try it out, but I don't know that I'm going to buy it to try it out. Yeah, I have no idea how much it costs. Just some guy from my group brought it, and I mean, it's it's pretty quick. It it only took, I want to say, 35 minutes, something around that. It wasn't too long, but after my negotiation, my one negotiation failed, I was like, I quit. That's kind of how it went. (laughs) Then I started looking at my iPad a lot, and everybody started hating me. Ah, very nice. Well, Dan, what have you been getting to the table? So I got a chance to finally play and was ridiculed for playing it apparently late by our glorious friend, Dan, over at the Geek All Stars. Um, I had a chance to finally play Kanban, Automotive Revolution from Mr. Vital Lacerda and our buddy Steven over at Stronghold Games. I got a two-player game of this with Dan, our listener, who actually lives, I'm not even joking, like... A minute and a half from me, which is kind of bizarre. It's a small world, and I'm glad we have at least one listener. So thanks. <laughs> but, thanks, um, Dan. And his name is Dan, and he's your next door neighbor. Weird. Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of cool. Anyways, he taught me Kanban. I had just recently purchased it. This was on my uh, top of the stack, if you remember from last episode. Um, so I was excited, and it did not let me down. So it is. One of the most busy-looking boards you'll see when you put it down. But it's very intuitive how everything works. Each of the different departments. So you're trying to be the most efficient, I guess, factory workers. Trying to push out cars, score points for upgrading cars, and the cars you put into your garage, etc. But there's, I don't know, five or six different departments on that busy board. And they each do something different. But it's... It's amazing. I know we talked last time about Feld and how he's able to kind of interweave his mechanics and make it seamless. And uh, wow, I mean, Vital with this game, everything was... Once you kind of understood the different departments, the intuition and the just the smooth integration of all the different mechanics was... I was blown away by it because it was really, really cool to see took me about three turns to see what I needed to see, but, but um, yeah, once once it kind of clicked, it, it was just smooth sailing from there. I just, you know, rolled points off the line. It was good, and it was tight. Two-player game. One of the unique things about this game as well, which, again, just speaks to the, the innovation within this game, uh, is Sandra, who is this, like, is the factory... I don't know what you uh, the manager. She's the head of it. And she kind of acts as a an NPC within the game. And she kind of judges your performance within like each of the departments as she moves through it. So you gotta have an eye on her and where she's gonna be going to next to make sure that you've got everything that you need to. Um Yeah, it was really cool. I really had a good time with it. Did you play with mean Sandra or yes. nice Sandra? Played mean Sandra. Uh-huh. Nice Sandra. Get out of here. This is a Euro. The one version rewards you for doing well. The other one penalizes you for not doing what you're supposed to do kind of thing. Yeah. And it only penal- I mean, it only penalizes one person. So in a two-player game, it's one of you or neither of you. In a higher player count game, it's a little bit more, I think it would probably be a little bit more competitive as to who she's going to go after. But I prefer, I, I liked Mean Sandra. I didn't think she was too mean, but she definitely have to keep an eye on her um, and there's a couple of things you can do to kind of negate her meanness but i didn't find her too mean cool i want to play kanban the board kind of scares me away a little bit but i like the theme idea i think it's unique and i don't think i'd want to play with mean sandra though i like the idea of positive reinforcement but well it just positively reinforces you for being in last <laughs> I'm going to bite my tongue and not get into a reinforcement lesson uh, or operating conditioning lesson. I have been playing and teaching everyone around me uh, Karnak, which is one of the games that I mentioned that I was interested in uh, for 2015, or I mentioned it on a previous segment. This is a two-player kind of tile-laying game, I guess, if you want to call it. You have these 
two by one little rectangular prisms and you place them down on a board. You can play a small board, a medium board, or a long board. And your opponent then chooses whether or not to flip this o this uh, piece over. And the decision is made based on the symbols that are on either side of the, the pillar that you're placing. So one person is red, one person is white. And the ultimate goal of the game is you're trying to make as many small groups of three or more called dolmens. You're trying to make as many groups as you can, and each group counts as a point at the end of the game. So you're trying to flip your place and flip your tiles so that you are making small groups, and strategically, you're typically trying to place and flip your opponent's tiles so that they are combining their groups, because one big group of 20 symbols is still only one point, just like your little group of three symbols. It's a nice quick filler. Um, it's a thinky little two-player game. I knew Mike was going to like it. When he saw it, he was like, that looks like a game I'd be interested in. I said, well, good, because I got it to play with you. Um, everyone's been enjoying it. It's fun. It's quick. Um, if you like abstract games, if you like two-player games, I highly recommend it. The pieces are really nice, too. It's nice and chunky. So, pretty cool. They look like they would feel like dice. Do they feel like dice? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. They've got some decent heft to them. They're not, like, solid. You can tell they're probably hollow in the middle. Um, but they've got, like, yeah, dice weight. They're pretty nice. Tiff, anything else you've been playing? Well, I did play Vegas or Las Vegas with my board game club kids. So that's just a quick mention. They We played it with a lot of players. I have the, the Boulevard expansion, so you can play it with a bajillion players. But I don't think I'll ever want to play it with a lot of players ever again. No? I think we had seven. It just took so long. And maybe it's just that the kids were learning the game so they couldn't make their decisions quickly. But I started having them like pre-roll their dice and hide them so they could make a decision faster because it took us way too long to play the other way. And then I played the Batman Love Letter. Oh, how was that? Dan picked that up, but I don't think he's played it yet. I mean, I picked it up because the theme is probably going to be something that my kids could get into over the the love letter, love letter, or even the Hobbit love letter. Who doesn't like Batman? Is my thinking behind it? It's got, but it's got good pieces. The little tokens are little bat signals, and it's got one little twist to the rules in that if you like defeat someone using the Batman card, which is a one then you get a token for that. So you play until you get seven tokens. Okay, so you don't have to win the whole round. You can knock someone out and that gives you a token? Yeah, so you can get more than one token in a round. And I actually really like that addition. Speeds of the game, I assume. I don't know if it sped it up. It just made it more rewarding to play. Because, oh. like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm clearly not going to win this round based th on the cards that I have drawn, but uh, I might be able to knock someone out with this Batman, so <laughs> suck it, <laughs> you know? Where I don't are know. the drugs? <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> there was a lot of Batman voice while we played it, and the art is really cool, and, you know, Robin looks like he's going Super Saiyan, so I liked it. Very cool. Dan, how about you? Anything else you've been playing? Yep. Got another one off the top of my stack. Um, we played Brew Crafters, which is essentially uh, Agricola for beer. <laughs> or at least that's the feeling I got from it. Uh, this one's from Dice Hate Me and Ben Rossett, recently released. You're a brewery owner, and you're trying to make and sell the most slash best beer. You can upgrade your brewery. There's different little rooms and things like that, but you're, you're going. It's broken down into um, a couple of phases. So you're refreshing. Again, the refresh is kind of like in Agricola. I, I don't know if this comparison's fair, but it's what made me think of it. Refreshing, putting all the ingredients and stuff onto the spaces. The second phase is you're going to market, and there's a market board that allows you to choose. You have two workers that you can use in the market area to obtain ingredients, specialized workers, um, and a couple of other different things. And then the last phase is the brewery phase, which you're taking your your shifts of brewery workers and you're allotting them to either brew beer, uh, do some research, or gain a new building in your brewery. So it's kind of cool. It's very methodic how you got to go through pushing your beer from the, the tanks onto the bottling line and then you sell them onto the truck. Uh, I know we broke it out. It's it's There's a lot of pieces. I don't know if I'd say fiddly, but it was a real pain to set up. There's just so many, like each beer, there's 24 beers in the game, and each beer has its own tokens. 
So you got to pull those out. Um, I know they make a game tray for it that helps you organize it, but I'm not the type of person to spend 30, 35 bucks to accessorize a 35, $40 game. That's just not my style. Um, so that was kind of, kind of annoying. The boards were warped when they came out, but I know from past experience that should probably fix itself on its own, hopefully, as you know, it gets more used to the temperature, etc. But yeah, I thought it was good. Did you like it better than Agricola? Yeah, but I mm, now if, and now if you said I liked it better in Caverna, then I'd have to pause because I really like Caverna. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think I might actually like Agricola better than Caverna, so that m- gives me hope for Brewcrafters. Plus, I hear there's some pretty cute cards in that uh, game. Check yeah. out the Malt Buyer. It's me. We play with the. You're not in the beginner setup. Oh. You need to know how to play Brewcrafters before you play with Tiff. Yeah, so we played we played with the beginner setup. So the beginner recommended beers, recommended workers, and there's all kinds of replayability in the randomness of the setup, etc. So uh, I'm looking forward to exploring that. I think I will enjoy it even more when we get some of those advanced workers because I kind of just shuffled through the deck and just saw that oh that would be cool to do that strategy. And there's there's just a lot of different ways you could potentially go. So I'm looking forward to another play. Yeah, it's a good time. I like it thematically better than Agricola. It's not as punishing as Agricola. Agricola is really tight and really kind of mean if you don't meet your end goal. And since Agricola is a game that you have to do everything, there there isn't an everything to do in this. It's one thing and you're just trying to brew beer. It is a game that I was surprised, not surprised, but I went in with an expectation that I was going to get to make all this beer and I ended up making like seven six packs, which is totally fine because now I know I just going in had a different expectation that I was going to get to keep like cranking out this assembly line of craft beer. I think I drank more beer during the game than I brewed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's very like you're making the most of every single move and you need to make maximize your ingredients because it's timed. Essentially there are a set number of turns. So you start to feel the pace and it's a bit slower at least in that basic setup than I thought it was going to be, where it's like, okay, it's going to take me, each round's broken up into four seasons, there's three rounds, so it's going to take me a couple seasons to just get the materials that I need to brew a cup, one or two beers. Basically, if you're brewing two beers at once, you're doing great, at least in that beginner setup, because we were like, I can make one, and I was like, I can make two, and everyone's like, whoa, where'd you get ingredients to make two? That's crazy. You were doing something right, um, I can see after getting all the cards and at that third um, turn when you get all the bonuses and you're gathering extra ingredients that you can build up that engine based on the cards and the buildings that you've built. I would just assume that the advanced version lets you get there a little faster maybe. I don't know. Or lets you get there differently. Maybe I just now I know what to prioritize instead. Yeah, it's definitely there's a lot going on. Even just the different uh, rooms in the building just knowing what each of those does and how it does it and how you can build that into your strategy. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot to take in on a first play. Because I know I was sitting there going for the first couple turns, like, wait a minute, okay, I'm doing this. And like Matt said, I was like, I'm not cranking out beer. Why am I not producing beer? Like, this brewery is lame. I'm not, like, what am I doing wrong? And then it just kind of, it made sense as it went on, you know, towards the end of the game. You guys are telling me everything I need to hear. to get this to the table i've kind of been avoiding it because of the amount of components like i'm afraid to punch it but when i initially backed it i remember thinking i feel like this is what i want agricola to be so maybe i just need to suck it up and buy the game tray and that setup is a bear i I know dan said he doesn't want to pay that money to accessorize but i do feel like some kind of system for bagging this game and setting it up it isn't just accessorizing it's like an efficiency like we need to find a way to cut setup time in half because it was a super long setup time. It was really annoying. And <laughs> we were we were learning how to set it up at the same time, but it must have taken like a half hour to get everything in order and maybe 20 minutes or so. But like it, that's an unbearable amount of time to sit and watch someone put pieces in play <laughs> and not know how to play a game. Fun though. Easy to teach. Yeah, yeah. Really simple once you get it set up. Find a good organization system. The rule book's real simple. Yeah. It's only a few pages. I mean, the game tray is only twenty five dollars. It's not bad. I still don't. I only paid forty bucks for the game. That's my thing. Like, I don't. I don't see me playing this as much mm. as that would necessitate. You know what I mean? Like, 
I a good you. bagging system would do the same. Yeah, I had a system, but when you bag a game before you've played it, it's tough to know how to bag it. Like, I did that with Kanban, too. Now that I've played Kanban, I know exactly how I want to bag it and get everything ready for And now that play. we've played, next time we set up, we can all help set up and not yeah. just watch Dan longingly. Yeah. yeah. So I got two off the top of my stack. Of the two, I think I prefer Kanban. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie there, but they were both really good. Cool. Well, I think that's about the mark on what we've been playing. We're gonna go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we are gonna jump into a new segment called Failed and Flipped. All right, everyone, we are back, and we're going to jump into a new segment called Failed and Flipped. So this was a a good idea by Dan, uh, probably born out of his recent trading binge, where he has been kind of calling out his collection and getting some of those games that he wanted to play uh, more without buying them. He's being resourceful and getting rid of the games that didn't really hit home. So that got us all thinking about some of the games that we've traded or sold and then bought new games with that, uh, that cash. And we're going to go ahead and chat a little bit about that whole process and uh, some of the games that we've tossed and what we've gotten in return. Dan, how about you kick us off? Yep. So as Matt mentioned, uh, I've been on a bit of a trading binge. I've done two math trades in the last month. I've done a number of individual trades with awesome people all around the country. So BGG is really kind of hit or miss with my uh, trade activity, but I've really been active. um, And I'm thankful for that because I had a stack of games that I was just like, these need to go. I want nothing to do with them. But one that I got uh, that I did recently, I guess it was probably about a month or two ago, that I was really excited about because I think I actually, you know, everyone wants to feel like they won out in a trade. You know, anything from like fantasy sports to, you know, video games to anything. You want to feel like you like won something. Like you got more than you gave up. Yes. So um, I was able to trade Colt Express for Keyflower. And this one really excited me considering that online... Keyflower sells for about 50 bucks, and that's it's a game salute game, so it's never discounted ever. It's their policy, they keep everything right in line with MSRP. Um, and Colt Express trades, not trades, but uh, sells on like cool stuff, and it's on sale a lot, maybe around 24 bucks. So, from a value standpoint, I feel like I got my money's worth. Um, from a game standpoint, I'm still waiting to play Keyflower. But already having read the rule book, watched the Rodney Smith video, I know this one's going to be right up my alley. It's a, a European game. And Colt Express just, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. And I know Tiff likes this one, and I'll let her counter me on this. But we sat down to play Colt Express just after, I guess, Christmas is when I bought it. And I don't know, it was just a little too chaotic. Excellent production value, and that's what draw, drew me into it, was the cool little train, and the little meeples were like little uh, Wild West shoot 'em up dudes, or flick 'em ups <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, just the whole, let's play a card, hope someone else doesn't move, so I shoot them, and then I go this way. It, I love program movement games, but this one just, for some reason, I think it was just the randomness of it. I didn't I didn't care for it. So I could see it being fun and especially at like a max player count, but I just didn't see it worthy of a spot in my collection. So I'm thrilled with my trade. Very nice. Very nice. Tiff, how about you? Any stories of of terror that you've gotten rid of and replaced with much better versions? I don't trade very often. I mean, I have a few trades that I've done, but more often I sell my games on the geek marketplace and then just turn that money around into other board games. I think it's just a little bit easier for me to do it that way because the things I want to trade aren't usually in line with the things that I'm trying to get style-wise. So I, I went this route and it's working out for me and my biggest success within the past six months is getting rid of Fortune and Glory, the cliffhanger game, which... I will say that I like, okay, it comes in a giant coffin box, it's a flying frog production, so it has that photographic type art, which you either love it or hate it, and I kind of love it, so whatever, Dan, you can stop scowling at me now. Um, (laughs) It is just like a big adventure game, pulp adventure game, it's set in the 1930s, so there's Nazis and all kinds of stuff like that. 
you can play it one player, which was my original justification for buying it, and I did indeed play it that way a couple of times, but I really wanted to play it with other people, and that never quite happened. So, and it takes lo way longer, I think, than it says. It says it takes 90 minutes, but I don't think I've ever played a game under two hours. It just takes longer. And, and there's dice rolling and randomness, so if you're not into that, it's kind of a turnoff. But I did like how, how it worked out, how it played. It just didn't get played enough to justify the amount of space it was taking up on my shelf. So, yeah, I got rid of that, and then I had just all this amazing free space on my shelf, and it was great, and I don't even remember what I bought with the money. I took a loss on the game, but I still feel awesome about it. I think I paid 70 bucks for it originally and sold it for 55 but I was like, yes! Uh, the, the, the hardest part of, of, of getting rid of it was trying to find a box to ship it in, and I had to, like, tape two boxes together and do some weird stuff, but... Yeah, I got rid of that game and it was amazing. <laughs> and the shelf space you got in return is gift enough. Oh, it really was. I'm so short on shelf space these days, so I have to be a little bit pickier in my buying and more willing to get rid of stuff that's just okay. And I'd say that this is kind of one of those games that it's good and I love the theme and I'm I'm cool with the artwork, but it, it just wasn't getting the attention that a really good game would get. So, yeah. yeah. How about you, Matt? Well, my failed and flipped is actually a, just, it's a sob story for me. It's so sad because one of my favorite games from the last year or two, I suppose, uh, was Android Netrunner. And this was a two-player card game that came out a couple of Gen Cons ago. This is a remake by FFG of the old uh, Richard Garfield card game. And they rethemed it, kind of, and set it in their Android universe. Uh, it's a really nice asymmetrical card game, and this is one of their LCGs. So core boxes came out, mini box expansions came out, blister packs came out every month and every month and kept coming and coming and coming, and Tiff is getting itchy because it's all collectible and things like that. <laughs> this is a fantastic game. It's one of my favorite games. You know, it's like a 10 out of 10 uh, for me. It was my first review ever for NonsenseSchoolGamers.com. Holds Aww. a special place in my heart. Uh, I played in tournaments. I went weekly. Um, but as I was getting into the depths of grad school, I couldn't play as frequently as I wanted. And more importantly, nobody, Dan did attempt to play for a little while for me, but nobody in the game group wanted to play and pursue it the way that I was pursuing. So it started out really cool. Kel would play with me with pre-built decks. And then I started deck building and playing online and playing in tournaments. And she was like, I don't know what these cards are. I don't know what you've done. You're handing me decks and I don't know what's happening. So I ended up trading away all my Android Netrunner stuff for a huge stack of games included somewhere in that was the um, was Shadows Over Camelot and the expansion and like a bunch of other like little things. Um, but the real reason that it was a win, I think I think I took a loss monetarily, but I definitely got like a stack load of games. Um, but I got Lost Cities and I know they're reprinting it now and that sucks, but I've literally played Lost Cities with like everyone I've met and I played it like 30, 40, 50 times since I've got it. Like it's a fantastic game. And it was one that was on like Amazon for like 60 bucks if you wanted to buy it because they just didn't have any copies out. So that amongst the other stack of games I got made it worth it. But I, if anybody out there wants to be my Netrunner buddy, I'll buy back in in a heartbeat, just in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, so that is my failed and flipped Android Netrunner with no steady partners to play with uh, had to go. And it pained me, but that was a real-life lesson about getting into collectible games when no one else wants to be in collectible games. Sad face. All right, so that that segment's... Is it supposed to be happy? I'm sad now. No. After I'm hearing not. your I story. I traded all my Android expansions together for a, at the time, out-of-print, unopened San Juan. And then oh. they reprinted the damn thing, and I was so pissed. Yep. <laughs> that seems to happen to you a lot. Well... It is a happy note because we got awesome shelf space and other games and things that we love now and we're not just holding on to games that we're not playing. So it is a happy. Failed and Flipped is a happy segment, damn it. And we are going <laughs> to... So that is our Failed and Flipped segment. But before we take a break and jump into our filler feature, let's talk about BGG names in case people want to trade with us because, Dan, you are an avid trader. I like to trade. I like to get rid of the crap that I fell for. 
Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not everything on my trade list I find to be crap. And a lot of stuff on my trade list isn't crap. It's just not my style of game. So um, NAD24. So NAD24 on BGG. Yep. And if you want to buy from TIFF. Um, I am T-Bon, T-I-B-A-H-N, or Tibbin, as Dan likes to say. Tibbin-y wise! (laughs) (laughs) But I have, I don't have a whole lot up there, but I, yeah, I want to get rid of that stuff. And like Dan, I, it's not stuff that I don't like. It's just not like stuff that has wowed me, so. And I actually have like nothing on my trade list. It's not even worth checking out because I got a couple trade offers recently for things that I got rid of like a year ago. I just haven't updated things, so I would not go to my trade list. I would just tweet me or something like that. Anywho, so we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our filler feature where we chat about a Bluxen or Linko, depending on what side of the pond you're on. All right, everyone, we are back, and our next segment is a filler feature featuring a Bluxen and Orlinko, depending on where you bought your copy, U.S. or Europe. And Dan is going to jump into the little rules explanation before we talk about the game overall. All right, so Linko for the Americans, a Bluxen for all you sweet, sweet European listeners out there, is a card game. This is from uh, Kramer and Kiesling, so those guys are awesome. Um, published by Ravensburger. And it is for two to five players. And it takes, I'd say, anywhere from like 20 to 30 minutes. It all depends on the score you're playing to. You know, you can play one hand in 10 minutes. But if you want to keep playing, you keep playing. It's one of those games that just you kind of get lost in just sitting around chuckling and having a good time with. So um, in the game, so you're dealt out um, 13 card hand. The cards are broken down into eight different suits i guess you could say and suit is a different colored links really brightly colored links (laughs) i might add but um, the colors are really cool and each suit goes from 1 to 13 so you've got 13 cards in each eight of each for 104 cards total Um, each player is dealt out 13 cards and what you're trying to do is you're trying to have the most points when somebody goes out as far as getting rid of their hand so the way you do that is by playing cards in front of you into a little stack Um, you can play any number of cards any set that you'd like so you could play one three or you could play four threes or you could play seven eights it's up to you you have to play a set of one number in front of you then what happens is you're going to go around the table and compare your set to each other set that was active for each other player and what i mean by active is the last set that they played is the one that's in front of them what you're going to do is you're going to try to snatch their cards, is the, the terminology used in the game. So if I had three threes out in front of me, and I look to my left, and Matt has three twos, then I could snatch those cards. And by snatching, I could either force Matt to discard those three twos and draw three more cards back into his hand. I could take those three cards into my hand. and You might want to do that to create a bigger set later in the game. Or Matt could put this back into his hand himself to play later or to just hold on to for the time being. And you do that with each player around the table. So what you're ultimately trying to do is get cards out of your hand and keep people drawing cards so that they cannot go out before you do. Um, Because going out helps you in that at the end of the game, the number of cards that are in front of you count for one point. The number of cards left in your hand when somebody goes out are minus one point. So it's a you know, a little give and take there. And just, again, with the snatching, the one caveat is, though, you can only compare yourself to other like sets. And what I mean by that is, so if I played three of a kind, I'm only comparing my three of a kind to any other three of a kind around the table. So if I had three threes and Tiff only had two fours out, we don't compare because we don't match up set-wise. So there's a lot of different little strategies you can do to try and get people to either take cards or take their cards because you can build a bigger set later. Uh, The game ends when the deck runs out of cards or someone's gone out. So what do you guys think of this one? Tiff, I'll start with you because I know know you enjoy this one probably as much as I do. 
Well, you know I love it. This this is one of those games that I keep in my filler bag. Because it's just a deck of cards, and granted it's a pretty big deck of cards, you can put it in like a bag or a smaller deck box and just kind of carry it easily, and it's one that I just like to have on hand. When you mentioned in the rules explanation, it's kind of one of those games that you don't really have to play a full game. Like if you just have time before dinner or time in between something, you just play a couple of rounds of it and 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 call it that so i enjoy it as a filler it's probably one of my very favorite fillers yeah it's really thinky yeah <laughs> and it's so, not it's kind of awkward go ahead Tiff. no you go ahead i was just gonna say how it takes a little bit to wrap your head around the whole playing the sets to snatch kind of thing yeah friend of the show dan patrice can tell you all about wrapping your head around <laughs> linko he has like an infamous instance where he just couldn't grok how the game was supposed to flow but yeah it does take a little bit of time but once you get going it's it's a nice and easy game you can kick back and you're trying to anticipate what everybody has in their hand and i'm sitting there with my five sixes and wondering if someone has five of something else and should i play this should i wait should i only play some of them should i try to get more i just i like all the decisions you have to make in it and it's fun yeah to snatch to keep in to your hand blux. to draw to yeah to a blux to a blux to a blux or not to a blux but it's definitely one of those games where you can just kind of kick back it's it reminds me of like for me like just playing like hearts or something something i can play with my family and just kind of relax turn the brain down a little bit and just have a good time that being said it still has some really good decisions to make and how you play the cards when you play them what sets you want to make with them i always seem to get boned by somebody who somehow has a five or six of a kind. I'm like, no one else has a five or six of the kind right now. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> that happened a lot. Like, I feel like when we played it at PrezCon, TC Petty always has like a set of, of 13 in his hand at all times. I don't know how it happens, but it does. And that, that that's a fun part of the game, though. When someone reveals that gigantic set and you're like, but how? You know? No, just me? Okay. No, no, I agree. Because I always have one or two cards left in my hand when that happens, and I'm yep. always pissed. Right there with you. What about you, Matt? You've been quiet. I just haven't gotten to play this enough, I think. I think we've played... I've never played a full game of it. I think we've played it, like, offhand maybe two, three times. It's just not one that hits our table a lot. So it is one that I enjoy. It is um, a tough one to wrap your head around, as you guys have already said, but... It's unique and definitely one that even if you've played a lot of fillers and you played a lot of filler card games, trick-taking games, it's going to give you a new challenge and definitely you can't apply any of those heuristics or any kind of the, any of those uh, prepared kind of plans of attack in this game. Because like when I go and play a new trick-taking game, I've got an idea about how to approach it. I don't feel like when I played a Bluxen or Linko, um, that I knew how best to play right away. And that's kind of the fun is to is to puzzle through um, instead of finding the perfect strategy. It's just kind of like working through your, your hand as it's dealt to you. So I think I it's fun. I still don't think I know the best way to play a Bloxen. I'm horrible at this game, but I love it. So I, th- I think that speaks to the quality of the game. Like I'm, I still don't know how to play it. Dan sucks at it, but we still like it. Yeah. No, I suck at it. <laughs> and really, that's that's the highest praise you can give, right? It's like, I don't win, I'm no good at this, but man, it is fun. Yeah. Yeah, I always have fun playing this. Well, there you go. That is a Bluxen. That's today's filler feature. All right, everyone. So our next segment is going to be our hipster highlight, and Tiff is going to take us through Medieval Academy. Uh, is Medieval Academy still hipster? I don't know. I've been playing it for so long, I'm over it. <laughs> All right, everyone, that is our hipster highlight for today. If you haven't played Medieval Academy, you're nobody. That's what Tip just said. (laughs) I'm kidding. Medieval Academy is awesome. So in the game, you are squires, and you're going to the Medieval Academy to learn how to be a knight. You go through different tournaments, and you learn about things from wizards and go on quests, but really you don't do any of that. You move a token on a track. 
but <laughs> it's okay because that's it doesn't sound fun but it's totally fun it's card drafting so the first phase of the game is you're gonna draft cards with your fellow players you're gonna collect a hand of these different cards that correspond to tiles on the board and then you play out those cards and those cards will let you move your tokens on the different tiles and then when there's a scoring round you look and you see who is the furthest along on the track and they get some rewards and then at the end of the game you see who has the most and that is medieval academy what do you guys think of this one this is my favorite i don't know that's always a dangerous thing to say this is one of the games that i really like that is drafting plus it's drafting plus another element and the other element in this one is the the tokens which kind of represent like a area majority kind of thing um so it's definitely a lot of fun it's super easy to pick up uh, there are B-sides to everything, so you can play it a bunch of different ways. And it's it's kind of like Fast and Furious. Once you get playing, you just go through it. Yeah, I know. I said Fast and Furious, and that's a movie. Like uh, the Fast and the Furious? Paul Walker. It's super quick and and light, but there's definitely interesting decisions. And I like the, I, I like the fact that you always have one card left over, because that gives you that extra piece to react to other players. You don't have to play all your cards. So what I typically do is I end up drafting a card that is like my just-in-case card, depending on how other people are going to maneuver around the board. And turn order becomes a big deal um, in this game. So it's definitely fun. We played it with like our mom and girlfriends who aren't big gamers and guys who are not big gamers and you know all kinds of different people. Medieval Academy is a big hit. I just wish it was in the U.S. right now. It's not. It's coming. It's yeah. going to be here for Gen Con. Yeah, you'll be able to get this one. I, I've i taught it to a lot of people. I don't think there's anyone who I've played this game with that they didn't enjoy it. When I explain the rules, a lot of times people are like, hmm, this doesn't sound, you know, but it, it doesn't sound as fun as it actually is. Yeah, it's it's real smooth. I was actually hesitant before I picked it up because, like you said, reading about it, it's like, eh, it's just this drafting game where you're moving these little tokens. I was like, that's cool, I guess. But then when we played it, I was like, it was so smooth and so like easy to understand, but it still had some real cool decisions to be made. I think we talked about this in a previous episode and what I've been playing kind of thing. But I, I love how the timing of the different cards and when they're played from your hand and you only get to play four of the five that you have in your hand so yeah that's an important rule that i we skipped the first time we played it and i was like wait this has has no real like meaningful decisions in it that extra card in your hand is the thing that makes this game yeah because because as matt said you could draft a card and be like let's see how this plays out and worst case i drop this as my fourth card and i move ahead on this track so there's a lot of give and take and like all good drafting games it gives the opportunity to hate draft just like i don't want you to have this five i don't need it but i've got an extra card in my hand you know i've got an extra card slot yeah, so i'm kinda, just gonna hang on to it yeah it makes the quote hate drafting a little bit more of a feasible strategy because yeah. you're not really harming yourself in any way because you have that extra card. So if you take it from someone, yeah. cool. I think that yeah. the the simplicity of the the card information is what's good is because the you just there's not much to interpret within the actual card. It's how that card impacts the board that is interesting and that is the tough decision. So it's not like trying to decipher a lot of symbolism or a lot of information on the card. It's just a number. And a cool picture where the art increases, the art changes with each card. I love that feature where the fives are like you're a proud knight, but the one you're like bumbling in armor and you look like you're about to get beat up. Um, I, I like that too. Yeah. The art's done by Piero, who's done Mr. Jack, Ghost Stories, some, you know, some big games. And I really like his art. So yeah. it's cutesy. I love the gallantry track. We didn't talk about the individual tracks, but there is one of the tracks that you go around and it gives you, when you resolve all the scoring round, it lets you move your disc in one track of your choice up. And I that's like my favorite part of the game. I love being ahead on that track. That is where the most tension in this game comes from. Other than like the idea of having that extra card, I think the, the biggest deal in this game is that gallantry track because it gives you essentially a free card of some sort depending on how far up you are on that track and if you're not competing for gallantry you're probably doing something wrong gallantry is important guys uh, it's important i think some of the negative ones are also pretty tense especially that big one that we always stick you with <laughs> oh, 
I don't think I've ever played Medieval Academy and not gotten that minus 10. And it usually loses me the game. Is it more like minus... 15? I don't know. know. We didn't explain. There are two tracks that if you are the farthest behind, you you get negative penalties, and it's the education and charity? Giving to the poor. Yeah, Yeah, charity track. So you get negative points. Oh, can we talk about something I don't like about this game? Yes, we can. The the actual chivalry point chits in this game are so annoying to me because Why? they're specific to each track. Yeah. There is a 17 point chit. Like why not just That's have Cuz each track gives you a different amount. Yeah, I know, but you could just have ones, fives, tens and and then I wouldn't feel like I my OCD wouldn't kick in. I wouldn't feel like I need to sort everything and have 27 bags for these chits. I can see that. I didn't have a problem with it. I I liked the idea that they took the time to give you customized chips for chits for everything. It does make setup and breakdown a little bit of a pain though. So I can see that. Yeah, I just think it would been it would have been simpler to just be like ones, fives and tens and then we're done and then and and then maybe negative ones and that's it. It's all you need. But once you're set up, you're, it's just like, up. Oh, I need a minus three. I bag oh, them I by row. 15. Just bag it by row. Then you just pull out a bag, and that's all the ones from that row. I put them all in one bag because I only have that's... one bag. In well, there. there's your problem, Captain OCD. I know. I'm you just. I'm trying not to be. It's. I'm. This is the, my process of personal growth. Is I'm trying to let let it go, and they won't. They won't let me. Oh, so I need to stop being a podcast host, and I'll just listen to you. And empathize. <laughs> Please continue. Okay, I'm done. That's it. That's the only thing I can complain about because everything else about this game is awesome. That's... Do we know of any places that you can currently get this? It is available at Board Game Bliss right now. They have five plus copies available and the uh, expansion tiles. Very nice. And it's in Canadian dollars, so it's practically free. Oh, wait. They don't have the uh, expansion tiles. They're sold out of those. Sorry. Not great advertisement to... So right now it's at Board Game Bliss and they have five plus copies available. And Canadian money is like Monopoly money, so. Oh, there go all the Canadian listeners. Thanks a lot, Matt. Oh. um, Sorry, Todd. Canadian money is a well-respected national currency. There we go. They Oh, they do have ducks on their coins, and that's cool. Welcome back, Todd. <laughs> All right, so that is our hipster highlight for today. That is Medieval Academy, an awesome drafting game if you can get your hands on it. If you have the patience to wait, it will be available in the U.S. come Gen Con. But that is such a long time to wait for such an excellent game. So I'm just saying. It's worth the wait, though. All right, everyone, we are back to round out the show with a segment from way, way back. I'm trying to think of what episode. Don't listen to the, whatever episode that is. Yeah, probably not. Uh, it is Keep, Trade, Burn, which is a personal favorite and a crowd favorite. We got some requests to bring this back, and we are happy to do so. So we are going to, we've prepared a Keep, Trade, Burn for each of each other. So I've got one for Tiff and Dan and permutations, therefore. We are going to present three games. You have to choose to keep one, to trade one, and to burn one. So it's just the ultimate gaming sacrifice. So we are going to start with Dan. And you can either give Tiff one or me one. All right, Tiff. Saddle up, partner. It's going to be train games. No, it's not. But we're going to go with Glory to Rome, Downfall of Pompeii, and Yggdrasil. Whoa. That's a little bit of a hard one. I could... Wow. I can see your theme there. Well, I'm keeping Glory to Rome. There's no way I could live without that game in my collection, especially since I have the fancy black box edition. Of course I do. Um, so, okay. Hmm. So I guess, oh, trade or burn. Why does it have to be burn? I don't want to burn either of those games. You're trading your games to someone with very sticky fingers. You could burn Pompeii (laughs) and keep it real thematic. Uh, Oh, I guess, I don't Plus you should, that game's kind of boring. We need to have a chat about this, Dan. We need to play this together, and you will understand the fun of it. We did play this together, and it was no, we didn't. Kind of... When did uh-huh. we? Oh, is that the marathon at like four in the morning? That doesn't count. It might be cooler if you put a tea light in the volcano. I do put a tea light in my volcano. I have one in the box. That gains a half point for me. Yeah, like a like it sounds like, like a fire hazard. Like no, not like a real tea light, but one of those little electronic ones that has Uh-oh. a fake flicker. It's cool. It looks like a real volcano. It's like, I think you chose which one you're going to burn, but you... 
Alright, so I guess I'm gonna trade Pompeii. No, I don't know. I'm gonna trade Pompeii and I'm gonna burn Yggdrasil. I've played Yggdrasil a lot. So that's one I could, I guess I could stand to, to let it let it burn, but it's so pretty. It'll it's a great co-op. The great... gods frown upon you, Tiff. Yeah, yep. I, I love the art you. on it and I love drawing stuff out of a bag. It's so good. Loki's going to curse you. Yeah, probably. But yeah, Pompeii, it's like Yggdrasil beats you up, but it's the game that beats you up. In in Pompeii, I'm literally sticking my friends in a volcano, and I enjoy that. So I'll trade that. All right, well, Tiff, I'm going to go next. I'm going to keep you on the hot seat since what you're so heck? uncomfortable right now. Mm. Keep Trade Burn, Alien Frontiers, Village, Bora Bora. Holy crap. That's a real jerk move. I hate you guys. Um, we find that the harder we make this, the better the radio is. Is is that true? People like to listen to me be sad and uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's that shifty silence that they. This is this is what our listeners are here for. Silence. Three okay. to four minutes of you going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Village. Okay. Village. Say it again. Bora Bora. Alien frontiers. That, that like, gives me this feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, I feel nauseous when I think about burning any of those games because I love them all so much. That was the point. I don't like it. (laughs) Okay, so... (sighs) I keep Alien Frontiers because I love dice placement. It might be my favorite mechanism ever. And I also just received all of my beautiful rocket dice... And I haven't played it yet with the rocket dice, so I have to keep it for li- at least for a little while longer. I trade. Those rocket dice look real freaking cheap. Do they? I, you know, they don't have the heft that I wanted them to have, and they don't have the texture I expected them to have. So they. So they're kind nothing of... that you expected. No, well, they are the same. They they're the right shape, and they roll the way they should. Like I like rolling them. I've been rolling them the whole time. You guys have been talking. I've just been sitting here rolling six rocket dice, because um, I literally got them in the mail this morning. But they're they're plastic, and they have a rough texture, and I expected to be that like harder, smooth texture that a lot of dice have, and and they're not that. So if you're expecting that, you might be disappointed. But they look good, and I think they'll look good on the board, and I think it'll be fun to play with them. So, yeah, I'm keeping Alien Frontiers. Isn't there an Alien Frontiers board that has the shape of the rocket dice on it? Yeah, they have, um, I think it's the fourth edition board, has the one side of it is the dice shape, and the other side of it is the rocket shape spaces. Nice. And I just got that not too long ago, too. So So do you burn Village, which might be apropos considering everyone dies in that game anyway, or Bora Bora, all those little men and women in their grass skirts? Oh, see, Bora Bora is just like a, it's a feld, and I love it, and it's weird. It's got weird things. You take man and woman actions, and and I always feel weird when I say that. (laughs) It's a game that makes me feel awkward. Uh, so I guess I'm saying I'm going to burn Bora Bora because it really might be one of the most hideous games in the history of the world. You're probably doing some small country a favor. It really isn't that bad. I don't know fueling. why it's so bad. It's really busy. It's brightly co- colored. It's garish, I guess is the word I would use for it. There's yeah. so much good stuff for that. So, I, so I'll burn Bora Bora because there are plenty of other felds out there. I'll find another one. It's okay. And then I'm 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 trading village. You can trade it to me because that game's amazing. But you already have it. Do you need two copies? I'll just look at them both. Okay. And smile on my face like this. Have you played Village Port yet? No. Oh. Okay. I want to. <laughs> I have it. Or in. Apparently not. I have in and port. I have in and port as well. And he does just that. He looks at them and smiles, and then leaves the room. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. That's All right, Tiff, choice. well, it's time to get your vengeance because they're doing a little alphabetical snake draft here, and it is your turn to go back to back. Back to back. Keep trade burn, Dan and I. All right, Matt, keep trade burn, Chimera, Potato Man, Eggs and Empires. Oh, this is like, that's so mean. Oh, does that is that mean? Potato that Man gets sad? burnt. I'm making french fries out of that game. <laughs> 
See, oh man, I want to play Potato Man. I want it. I want it. Um, Wait, have you not played Potato Man? I haven't. I just dream about it. Oh, well, then I need to change it. I assume you played it and loved it. I love it and I haven't played it. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Oh, this is interesting because you might have to burn it before you even get a chance to play it. Yeah, I'm not excited about that. But I love Chimera and Eggs and Empires. And I, Eggs and Empires is my number one filler. I don't want to burn any of them. I do like the idea of French fries, though. That mm. sounds good. Um, <laughs> if you hurry up and give your answer, there's some upstairs. <laughs> I, ah, I hate you, Tiff. Yep. I like you still. I haven't gotten to you yet. I am going to keep Eggs and Empires, even though I think I'd rather keep Chimera, but Chimera is not playable with as many people. So Chimera has to get burnt or traded. Damn it. (laughs) I will keep Eggs and Empires. I will trade Potato Man to someone that I know so that I can play it with them. And I will burn Chimera and be very sad about it. Very good. So I get to do another one? Yep. All right, Dan. Although you're mean, so I don't know that I want to let you. Okay. She doesn't get to me. Trajan, Kanban, Zanguo. Go. Zango. Hmm. I like them all. Uh, hmm. Was uh. that hard? Is it hard for you to make this decision? Yeah, I like them all. I've only played... You must light one on fire. I've only... I mean, well, I've played Kanban more than Matt's played Potato Man, so this is a little bit more in context. <laughs> You're one up on me. <laughs> um, I really like Trajan. Uh, I really like it. I'm going to keep Trajan. I'm going to trade... Uh... I don't know. I don't know which one I like better. I've only played Kanban once. I'll trade Kanban and burn Zanguo. Really? Wow, interesting. That is surprising. I, Why? Only because I want to play Kanban more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan's uncomfortable with this decision. It surprises me that people dig this segment so much. I mean, I think it's my favorite one for us to do because it's fun mental exercise. But for people to listen to it, it's literally just... 20 minutes of all of us going, I hate you. You people mm. are sadists. You're just like, yeah, I want to listen to this. They want to hear us suffer. Yeah. Uh, For the record, I love Zanguo, though. I really do. No, nope, I'm burning Kanban. I'm burning Kanban. Zanguo, I love. I really like that game. So you're just trading it? Yep. I'm but you're trading, trading it over Trajan? I am so surprised. That's what I thought you would say. I feel uh, better. I now. like Trajan a lot. All is right fun. with the world. All right, Dan. Well, let's hit you with another one because it's my turn now. Now, my my other one that I had for Dan because I accidentally prepared two was Kanban Trajan Alchemists mm. because those are da- and Dan's eyes just got wide and was like, ugh. But you're getting this one instead. Baseball highlights 2045, Deus, and the Bluxen slash Linko, which we just chatted about. Keep trade burn. There's a lot of air in the baseball highlights, so that would burn for a while. <laughs> I don't think it's concentrated that box oxygen. That so <laughs> empty. Um, wait, give it to me again. Kanban, or not Kanban. Uh, baseball highlights. Yeah. Deus. Deus. Abluxen. I keep baseball highlights. I trade Deus. You trade your game of the year. Not game of the year. I don't know. That's going to be a segment next time. Like our top games so far this year. Um. He's avoiding the problem. I know. Quit stalling, Dan. What's your answer? You know what? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep baseball highlights because I really like that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this yeah. is why, because I like listening to this segment right now. Nope. I'm keeping a Bluxen because it's more approachable and it plays more players. I'm trading baseball highlights, and I'm. Burning Deus You're because burning Deus. I love Deus, but Deus is a very dis- divisive game. Like. People either love or hate that game, and I think I can but get other people to play it. the other ones. You huh? do love it. And I do I love, love it, but it. it's available online. Yeah, let's play it online. Cheap. <laughs> Cop out. No, but ah, yeah. <laughs> I really like baseball highlights. And you're going to give it away to someone. Yeah. But a Bluxen, it's just you can play with anyone. 
and it just fits in my pocket. Well, that was surprising so for me. But hey, how about you round us out? All right. I don't know if this one's going to be good or not, but here goes nothing. Abyss, legendary alien encounters, or legendary encounters, aliens, or aliens, legendary, I don't know, that alien deck building game. Legendary encounters. Okay. Alien. An alien deck alien. building game, alien probably. Building. It probably has colons and shit in it. Oh, sorry. And stuff. Um, and Xenoshift, which oh, I know you... just got that. You just got it. I can't burn it already. I just got it. There's so much paper and plastic in that box. If Tiff can put Potato Man on it, <laughs> I can put Xenoshift. Hey, we never said they have to be games that we've That's played. true. I don't own Trajan at the moment, so... It can be things that are on the I'm top of the I'm keeping a game even. I don't even own. Right. I'm keeping someone else's copy. You gave me, you gave me Abyss before. You keep trade Steel. So hard. <laughs> well, you talk about Abyss so much. It's hot. Like, I initially was like, Abyss... And then I started to think of other games. I've but. played Abyss. I was a trying lot. to go with a deck building thing, but I couldn't th- think of a third one. I really like. I played Alien a lot too, and I played Abyss a lot, and I've only played Xenoshift once, but I really liked it. Ah oh, man! All right, I love all these games. I don't want to trade or burn any of them, but I'm gonna keep. I had to burn Deus. Do you Again, know how much my heart hurts right now? This is the right point now? of the segment: is that I'm these are all games that you don't want to. Xeno Shift because I've only played it once and I liked it and I want to play it more. I'm going to <sighs> crap. I'm going to trade. Um, I'm going to trade Alien Deck Building to Ben because he's the only one that I play with it anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to trade Alien deck building game, and I'm going to burn Abyss because Games and Stuff has a copy of it. If you can play games online, if you can burn Deus, then I can play Abyss at the game store. And that's my cop-out. What if I wow. burn that copy, too? That's sad. Do I? St- can I still that's buy arson, the... Dan. He forgets that I have a copy. That's a crime. Oh, yeah. Dan has a copy, too. That's right. I just put it on my trade list. Um, I'm... NAD24. Uh, can I still buy the art book and just hold that? I'll just do that. Just cradle it in your yeah. arms. All right. Okay. So keeping Xenoshift, trading Alien Deck Building, burning Abyss, and probably my soul in the process. You heard it here first. Matt's crying. You're welcome. <laughs> That's episode 20 of the podcast. <laughs> Who cries like that? Apparently Don't make fun not. of how I cry. What a jerk. <laughs> Who says that to someone who's crying? Your poor wife Your and child. <sighs> All right. Well, that uncomfortable 10 minutes is the end of episode 20 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Facebook, the League of Nonsensical Gamers.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on BGG, where we're having good discussion. Uh, BGG Guild number 2077. You can email us at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can shoot up a flare or smoke signal. We'll try to find that. If you live near Dan, you can show up at his house, apparently. Uh... <laughs> you can show up at Dan's house if you don't live near him. You can drive millions of miles. Contact me and I will give you his address. <laughs> um, like us on Instagram because we post a lot of photos there. We would love, absolutely appreciate some iTunes reviews. We know it's a little tough because you got to go out of your way. You can't just do it on your phone pretty easily. But we would love to hear feedback from you guys. And it helps our show get found a little bit easier. Hearts on uh, board game links do the same, although iTunes reviews are preferred. Uh, But the best way to contact us overall, if you just want to chat, is on Twitter. Tiffany B., what is your Twitter handle? It is at ineptgamer. And Dan? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Nad. At Scandalous underscore Nad if you want to see pictures of the baseball game and the beer that Dan's drinking. That's where I do my personal tweeting. Yeah. Some, Pers- may, some may consider it my best tweeting. Oh. No, I'm kidding. The, I don't, un- the I don't, uncensored tweets. I don't post a lot on there. Yeah. But maybe if people start following me, I will. I follow you and tweet at you on the all the time. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> we tweet all the live long day. I get it. That's cool. <laughs> and you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Or idiotically, whichever you prefer. <laughs> the dictionary oh, begs to differ. <laughs> Anywho, thank you guys for joining us. We will chat with you next week for Boardcast News number three. See ya.
Bye. Bye. Try that again. Hey, bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Toodles. 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 That's my new sign off. Toodles. Toodles. I'll be continental. Ciao. Oh. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao's high and goodbye, I believe. I know. Or aloha. I don't know. Oh, mahalo. (laughs) You could do, uh, what do you get when you cross one duel with another duel? Toodles. Toodles. All right, everyone, so mini segment number five today. Or number five? Five. Well, How many five. of these have we done? I, Where am I? Was I here? Did I miss part of the podcast? <laughs> segment one is intro, what we've been playing, failed right. and flipped. Intro is a segment. Is it not? Okay. All right. All right For our internal podcast purposes, it's a segment, but the listeners don't care. It's totally a segment. I agree. There's a transition between our intro and the next thing that we do. You're right. All right. Three, two, one.